I remember when I was a little girl that I loved to run. I was not particularly fast, so I was terrible at tag. And as the youngest of three, I was destined to be it forever. <laughs> tag, you're it, my sisters would taunt me endlessly. But I loved the running part. I always asked my mother why she wouldn't play with us. She told me she was too tired to play tag. And I always replied, I would never be too tired for tag. Our reading from Isaiah this morning is a reminder that we all do eventually grow weary. The poem talks about the relationship of God to humanity, reminding us that we are mere mortals and that our time here on earth is temporary, brief, scarcely planted before we wither. Physically, spiritually, it can be difficult to maintain our youthful vigor. God, however, is the creator. His might, his power, they are unequaled. Have you not seen, have you not heard, Isaiah was writing this poem to Jews in exile. Certainly, they were weary. But the point of the poem, the promise that Isaiah makes, is that those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless, and those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Isaiah writes to remind us that if we maintain our trust in God's goodness and power, even when things are not going well, even when we are exhausted, if we wait, if we are patient, he will renew us. This doesn't mean that we will always understand the ways that God works in the world. Isaiah also tells us that God's understanding is unsearchable. Our knowledge of God, our relationship with God, develops over time, over years, over a lifetime. That relationship is a two-way street. God is there for us, but we have to be there as well, holding up our end of the bargain with patience and faith and with steadfast love for our maker. And that ties in with our gospel reading today, this idea that our connection to God, our relationship to God, is the most important thing in our lives. Now, I have to admit that my initial response to the opening of Mark's passage, this year in particular, was with an inward eye roll. I read this familiar passage about Simon's mother-in-law and her fever, and as much as I tried to stop myself, I did sigh and say, please. Because just after Christmas, a few weeks back, I caught whatever bug it was that was going around, and I had a fever, and I felt lousy. And on New Year's morning, I started to feel just a little bit better, moved from my bed to the couch, and the whole family, as they saw my improved state, was thrilled. You seem better. When are you getting up? What's for dinner? <laughs> so this poor woman, Jesus heals her, and what happens next? Does she get a day to recover? Maybe a shower or some soup? No, she gets up and serves them. But we don't get to roll our eyes because that isn't what this passage is about. This passage is far more important than my most recent go-round with the common cold. 
to put a few things in context and recognize how important some of these actions are. Simon and Andrew, James and John, they had responded to Jesus' request to follow him, but Simon's mother-in-law, with her gift of hospitality, is living into what she sees as her calling. As head of the domestic part of her household, she would have been in charge of all the cooking and cleaning, of providing for her guests, and that would have been an important job. And the term that Mark uses when she gets up and serves Jesus, the term is diakonos, the same term that we use for a deacon, one who serves. And why is all this healing by Jesus so important? It's more than a question of feeling better or being able to walk or see or hear or think clearly. These afflictions that we hear about in the Gospels demonstrate a lack, a gap. They prevent the person from filling their role in the community. So Jesus' action, yes, it healed this woman's fever, but even more important is that Jesus restores her to her position in the family. He reconnects her to her community. And that's the key. We see it play out in Jesus' ministry time and again. Whether he is healing a leper or someone who is lame or blind or deaf, the person starts off as isolated, alone, outcast. And they may have been kept out of the synagogue, prevented from worshiping, their faith may have been shaken. They would be the perfect example of Isaiah's weariness. And then Jesus restores their relationship to the community, the family from which they have been separated. And once they are back, back with family, back with their faith, back in society, that enables them to restore and renew their relationship with God. And here's the difference between our passage from Isaiah and our passage from Mark. Isaiah tells us to maintain our faith. Jesus takes an active role in making that happen. And in taking that active role, in touching the leper, in defending the poor, visiting the prisoner, Jesus is a servant. In bringing the outcast back into the fold, Jesus is living into his call. Jesus sets the example as a teacher, as a healer, as a human being. No one is too sick, too contagious, too poor, too possessed by evil for Jesus to touch. Jesus sets an example even when he is nailed to the cross, when he tells one of the thieves next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus lives that message even as he dies for us. We are all touched by Jesus in different ways. Some are healed, some led or directed, or pushed a certain way, some enlightened or strengthened. What our encounters with Jesus all have in common is that we are all loved. And through that love, we are able to reconnect and be renewed, forging a connection to God with a faith that is unshakable. Because the goal is not perfect health or perfect wealth or perfect anything. The goal of our relationship is not achieving perfection in this world, but being assured of our place in the world to come. There's one other aspect of this gospel reading I would like to touch on, and that is the point in which Jesus goes out alone to pray. He is fully human after all. Even Jesus needs time to rest, to recover, and to nurture his connection with the Father. 
Even Jesus grows weary from time to time. And all this restoration to community, to family, all of this reconnection I'm talking about, it is important, it's vital. But just as vital is the time we take to be alone with God. My mother-in-law, may she rest in peace, was the quintessential hostess. The second you entered her home, whether invited or on a spur-of-the-moment visit, she was busy preparing some sort of food for you. If she didn't have something already bubbling on the stove, she had a freezer full of provisions, from coffee cake to garlic chicken. She could pop something in the oven at a moment's notice. Simon's mother-in-law had nothing on Michelle Fines. But she also tired easily, and there's not a night I can think of she wasn't in bed by 8.30. And we would make fun of her, but her response was simply that she had put in a long day. She was tired. I might substitute weary. She also had a very close and personal relationship with God. My in-laws lived on the shores of a lake, and every morning before dawn, as long as the lake wasn't frozen, she would fill a thermos with black coffee, climb into her red canoe, and paddle out into the middle and have her daily conversation with the Lord. She said that out there, all alone, she could give thanks for her blessings and hear anything that he might have to say to her. And sometimes he didn't say anything, and that was okay too. She said those morning paddles gave her energy for the day. We need that feeling of gratitude for all of God's blessings, that reminder of God's transcendence, above us, beside us, within us, in order to make the circle of call and response and service complete. We need those quiet, restorative moments as we wait for the Lord, because those moments give space for a stronger, renewed faith. Take some time this week and think about your servant ministry. Take some time to wonder about how it is that you are called to serve and how you might respond. But also take some time for yourself, yourself and God. How has he been active in your life? How has he touched you? What might you have overlooked? Grab your red canoe in whatever form it might be, paddle out, whether that is to a secluded place, if you have that luxury, maybe the beach or your back porch, or a quiet room, or on your knees next to your bed. And remember Isaiah's words. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless, and those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. Tag, you're it. <laughs>